If you want 2024 to be your best running year, it is essential you have a customized training plan tailored to your race schedule and ability level. That's why I'm pumped to have Motive sponsoring the podcast. You can use the app for free, but if you want two months of premium access, you can use code SMARTER2. Sign up at mymotive.com. The link will be in the show notes. On today's episode, Jen's plantar fasciitis success story. Welcome to the Run Smarter Podcast, the podcast helping you overcome your current and future running injuries by educating and transforming you into a healthier, stronger, smarter runner. If you're like me, running is life, but more often than not, injuries disrupt this lifestyle. And once you are injured, you're looking for answers and met with bad advice and conflicting messages circulating the running community. The world shouldn't be like this. You deserve to run injury-free and have access to the right information. That's why I've made it my mission to bring clarity and control to every runner. My name is Brody Sharp. I'm a physiotherapist, a former chronic injury sufferer, and your podcast host. I am excited that you have found this podcast and by default become the Run Smarter Scholar. So let's work together to overcome your injury, restore your confidence, and start spreading the right information back into your running community. So let's begin today's lesson. Welcome back, Run Smarter Scholars. Uh, if you didn't catch last week's announcement, because by the time this episode gets released, I would have deleted it, um, but maybe you have listened to it. Uh, if you haven't, I just announced that the podcast will be released uh, weekly instead of twice a week as I try and create some time for me to complete this book. And then once the book is complete and the, the podcast continues to be released once a week, I will then be starting and launching a YouTube channel that will be um, videos once a week. So you still receive the same frequency of content, just in a different platform, in a different manner, and hopefully in different ways as well, because the visual element, um, you know, there's a lot of things that you can teach and a lot of th- ways you can learn through that visual element as well. Uh, so that. I will delete that announcement. You can't see that anymore. And today we have Jen's success story. She has had plantar fasciitis for the past few years, as you'll see. And she has a great story to tell. There's a lot of um, trial and errors, a lot of self-diagnosis, self-treatment, a lot of paths through different types of therapists, uh, getting scans, like the whole gambit, and comes away with a lot of lessons to not only help people with plantar fasciitis, but all other running related injuries as well. So let's dive in. Jen, thanks for joining me on the Run Smarter podcast. Hey, it's good to be here. I'm such a big fan. <laughs> well, it's good to hear from you and it's good to have these uh, these runners come out of the woodworks with some success stories. So thanks for joining me today. Can we start with maybe just giving you uh, giving a brief intro of like where you're from and what type of runner, what type of um, distance, uh, is your favorite? Yeah. So I, um, currently live in Huntsville, Alabama here in the States and I started running in high school. Um, so I did track and field and I did a lot of short distance sprinting. Um, I did some relays and honestly at that time I didn't really like it. I just kind of did it to hang out with my friends. Um, so then when I went to college, I didn't run, 
Um, and when I got one, my first job after college, I met who now is my best friend, and she had done a lot of 5Ks. And she convinced me to sign up for one, and I did all the wrong things. I didn't train. I just ran here and there whenever I wanted. But um, I did my first 5K in March of 2016, and I just loved it. And the race itself was pretty terrible. I had to do a lot of walking. I felt like I was going to die, but I I just was addicted. So um, since then, I've kind of progressed slowly over the years in my distance. And I've done some on and off running. But um, currently, I think my favorite distance is probably the half marathon. Mm -hmm. Um, I've done three half marathons. And then in 2020, I did my first full marathon. Well done. Yeah, it seems like quite the progression. Uh, Out of curiosity when you said you like fell in love with it, was it any particular aspect of running that like made you instantly fall for it? I just, after a run, especially after a race, I just had this awesome feeling. Like I really accomplished something like I could take over the world. So I really, it's probably the endorphins that I I liked from it. And, you know, I, I had done some hit training and weight training, but I don't get the same high that I get doing that, that I get from running. Okay. And how far into this, um, you know, running career did you start developing these plantar fasciitis symptoms? Um, it didn't take very long. So I'm the kind of person that I'm like zero to 60. So I started with a 5k and then four months later I did a 10 miler. And it was at that point that I started to experience the plantar fasciitis symptoms. Um, so I distinctly remember I just finished the first race, the 10 miler, and I had this pain in my heel and it kind of felt like there was a rock and like if you pressed on it, it was painful. It hurt a little achy to walk around. Um, and at first I kind of just thought it might've been cause I was walking around in Crocs after the race and it was my longest one. So I, I just started to ignore it at that point. Um, and then it kind of progressed from there. Okay. And you know, characteristically with plantar fasciitis there's more of those symptoms like the next day like walking around with your first steps the next morning were you experiencing that at that stage or um something different not really at that stage so then um back when I first started having the symptoms it was mostly after I ran either towards the end of a run or um shortly thereafter and I know a lot of people with plantar fasciitis have the symptom of the it being in the worst in the morning but honestly that's not something I ever really experienced it it was kind of like the same level of pain um most of the time and the only time it really increased was when I was doing kind of sprinting or running fast okay and at that stage wouldn't necessarily carry over into like your everyday life you didn't notice too much of a hindrance with like barefoot walking or standing still for long periods of time uh at first i never i didn't realize it but looking back i see that it was more painful barefoot walking because at one point in my like trial and error phase i i got some orthotics um and i had these special sandals that were, I think they were called orthotic sandals, um, because I had read online that, uh, they, they would help. So it was happening, but I didn't really realize it was happening because I mostly, yeah. I, I didn't care about it after the run so much. It was during when it started to see it more earlier on in the runs that is, I started to get bothered by it. Yeah. Okay. It started to hinder the actual running itself. And it, when that started to progress and symptoms started to get worse, was there any, like initial reaction to seek treatment or, you know, at least try and get an answer for these particular symptoms? 
Um, I think in the beginning, I was just kind of trying to self-treat. Um, I remember that the injury took a turn, I guess, for the worse after a particular training session. Um, so I was running with my running coach and we were doing hill sprints and it, the pain started to come on during the run, but like always, I just ignored it. Um, and I remember the day after I stepped out of bed and like almost fell over. And that was the first time that like the pain had been so bad that it impacted me, you know, outside of running. And that was when I decided like, okay, I'm going to stop ignoring this and I'm I'm really going to self-treat. And at that point, I had I'd done some Googling, and I assumed it was plantar fasciitis. So I started to go down the route of, let's see what all the things I can try to kind of get this under control. Um, so I tried wearing a night boot, which was horrible. I wore it for one night, and I never wore it again. Um, I wore a night splint sock, which is basically a, a sock that comes up to your calf and there's a strap that attaches from your big toe up to the top of the sock and it kind of, um, I think it would be flexes your foot upward to kind of, mm -hmm. to keep it from stretching. Um, so I wore that. Didn't really notice a difference, but honestly, I just wore it just to try to keep it from um, being worse. I bought plantar compression socks. So I guess there are special socks that kind of compress um, under your foot. That didn't do anything. I did foam rolling, stretching my calves. Like I mentioned earlier, I bought orthotics. And it got to the point where like, I never touched the ground barefoot. Like I always had a shoe on and if I didn't have a shoe on, I was wearing my orthotic sandals. Um, I went to a running shoe store and I tried, I bought an actual pair of running shoes because previous to that, I just wore whatever I wanted. Um, so I bought a pair of Brooks. Uh, I bought orthotic inserts. So I tried the green super feet and I also tried this blue pair that had like um, a platform in the heel. They were recommended to me, didn't notice anything there. And then I would periodically ice it. Um, and of all of the things I tried, the only things that gave me any relief were wearing the orthotic shoe and icing it, but really that just numbed it and it, it, it wasn't treating or You aren't a template, so your training shouldn't be either. The Motive app takes training plans written by the best coaches in the world, then creates the most optimal training plan for your schedule, abilities, and goals. It's such a good idea, which is why it is one of the fastest growing training apps in the world and has thousands of age group athletes signing up every month with a near perfect 4.9 star rating. It will even plan triathlons, cycling events, duathlons, and other events if you're branching away from running races. You can use the app for free for as long as you want, with the premium access being just $19.99 per month. But if you use code SMARTER2, you can get two months of full premium access. Sign up through their website, mymotive.com, and make 2024 your best year yet. Healing the injury, it was just treating the symptoms. Looking back on it, I can see that now. Mm. You've thrown a lot of things at it to see <laughs> so, what the yeah. effects were. You've done well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, with the, the footwear in itself, when you're saying you've avoided the, the load, I guess higher loads throughout the day with bare feet. So you've totally avoided that. How about the running aspect of things in this particular time? Was that taking a back step or were you still training at the same volumes? At first I was training at the same volume. Um, cause I just refused to not run. And, um, you know, looking back, I, I kept the volume, but what I did was I took out the speed. 
So I really like to run fast. Like that's my, my favorite thing. Um, and at the end of a 5K, I would always sprint. At the end of any like training session with my friends, I kind of finish it off as hard as I could. But I really dialed back on the speed, which helped a little bit. But I wasn't really satisfied because I wasn't running at the, the capabilities I used to be able to. Okay. But progressively as I went on, it continued to get worse in the sense where maybe when it first started, I'd feel it at the end of a five-mile run, and a couple you know, months later, I'd start feeling it at the three-mile mark, and then eventually it got to the point where I'd run for five minutes and I started to feel it. Yeah. Okay. And so I guess from how long did that slowly progress when you start to notice it at the end up until the point where you start to notice it within the first couple of minutes, was that... A period of days, weeks, months? What are we talking in terms of the time scale? Um, I would say from where like I just notice it at the end of the run to noticing it for the whole run, it's probably over six months where slowly wow. it started creeping more and more. Um, and then it just got to a point, probably a year and a half in, where it just hurt all the time. Yeah. I can <laughs> I've said it a couple of times on the podcast, but especially plantar fasciitis is one that can really creep up on you and you know, by the time you're like, okay, now is the time to start really getting on control of this. You usually have had it for two or three months and it's kind of hard to remember back to the, the moments when you hadn't had those particular symptoms because it is just so gradual in its progression. And, yeah. you know, if you don't be proactive really soon and really get on top of it, it kind of, I, I guess the the approach that you take doesn't necessarily reflect that what needs to be done initially because it is so minor and it is just like a little hindrance. Like, Oh yeah, I can put up with a few minor symptoms at the end of a run. It doesn't seem like that big of a deal. And then when it starts to carry into the running, it's like, okay, maybe let me have a little look at it maybe try a few little things, but I'm not going to stop my running. And, you know, it seems like the approach that you take is only just the minimalist amount that's required to make a small difference when in fact like early on you just need to make a massive change in order to you know really bite the the injury on the butt to say yeah and that's exactly how it kind of proceeded for me i started with just a, trying a couple of things and the more pain i felt earlier on the run the more different you know things i tried um but i think i got to a point where i was just fed up with it and I wanted to be able to, at that, I hadn't run a half marathon yet. And my goal was to run a half. And I said, you know what, if I want to run that distance, like I need to figure something out. So, yeah. um, at that point, that's when I started to kind of seek some medical advice. Um, so first I went to see a podiatrist and they took an x-ray of my foot and they told me that I had a heel spur and that terrified me because that word in general just doesn't sound pleasant and sounds kind of scary. Yeah. Um, so she recommended a cortisol shot, which I did get, and that did absolutely nothing. Um, so I was kind of defeated and I said, you know what? All right, I guess I'm just going to continue to live with this. I've got this heel spur that's never going to go away. Um, so I just need to manage it. So I went on for maybe another six months. Um, and then I once again got fed up with it and I decided to go see a physical therapist. So um, by that time, I started having another issue where I was experiencing this pain on the inside of my knee on the right side. Um, so I said, all right, enough's enough. Let's go get both of these things knocked out. So the first physio told me I needed to stop running until we got rid of the knee pain which now looking back on all these things, I know that probably wasn't the best advice. So I stopped running. Um, I had 
some different exercises that I was doing for the knee, but specifically for um, the plantar fasciitis, I was doing foot towel pickups where you have a towel on the ground, you scrunch your toes and you lift it up. I was doing marble transfer, so I'd pick up marbles from one side and move them to the other with my toes. I had a variety of foot band stretches, um, and I also used a foot rocker to stretch my calf, which is kind of like this rolling platform you put your foot on and you stretch your calf back. Bodyweight calf raises, um, and he also gave me something that was called ionic phoresis, and he put this pad on my foot. Um, and I don't 100% understand what it was, um, but somehow it put this electric signal into my foot that was supposedly going to shrink the heel spur. Um, so I did see some improvement with the first physio physical therapist, but I think it was because I was just taking time off my foot. I wasn't healing the injury. I was just calming down the symptoms. Um, and then uh, I was getting ready to move for my job and I dropped a 20 pound, 25 pound plate on my foot. And so unrelated to the plantar fasciitis, I went to get an x-ray and um, they, they said that my foot wasn't broken and everything was fine, which kind of sounds like a miracle, but they pointed out that heel spur again. And the um, technician that called me said, yeah, did you know that you have a heel spur? And I said, yeah, I do. And they said, well, if it's causing you any pain, like, you know, that might be something that you have to get surgery for in the future, but it's not always recommended. So although my, my pain and my symptoms were getting better, um, I just like, that was terrifying to me. Like I, the surgery was the last thing I wanted to do. And thank God, like I didn't look down that route because I realized now that that wouldn't have been, um, wouldn't have been helpful. Yeah. So, um, at that point, you know, I'd taken some time off. I moved out of state and I went to see the second physical therapist. Um, and he tried some similar exercises with me. Um, body weight calf raises, some different band work with the foot where you have a band around the ball of the foot and you're moving it in different directions to strengthen it. And then he also um, gave me dry needling. And I hated it and it was extremely painful. And he did it in my foot and on my calf. And looking back on it now, like I wish I would have stopped after like the second session because I probably went to 10 or 12 and I feel like he was really hopeful, so I was hopeful, but I, I didn't see any any success from that. Can I, can I maybe ask, with the, with the initial um, podiatrist and the, the pickup of the, the heel spur, what, can you remember much about, like, the explanation that they gave you about what the heel spur is and, like, you know, how it may influence your particular symptoms? Um, they pretty much said that the um this is how they explained it to me the the area was irritated and as a result of the plantar fascia being irritated and stretched and overworked that my body had kind of this i think they called it a bony calcification that had that was working its way out from the bone and that that was part of the reason that i was um experiencing pain i don't know if i'm exactly interpreting it well but i didn't get I didn't walk away from the conversation understanding what that meant. I just walk. I walked away knowing or thinking that like I was just going to have this forever and it was going to be painful. Yeah, uh, it's why I ask because a lot of the times with these particular um, findings and the explanation that's delivered to you, whether it was delivered in a different way and this is how you interpret it, it like I, I tend to think that when I'm advising a runner, 
about a particular condition and what their preconceived ideas are, what their beliefs are and all those sort of things that factor in. And then you deliver this information. It's kind of like, okay, what are they hearing? What am I, what's the difference between what I'm telling them and what they're hearing? Cause sometimes there can be a disconnect there as well. And you know, when you explain that how it was communicated or how you remember that being communicated, it being like a bony kind of, calcification or a bony growth underneath the heel due to the plantar fascia um, is quite interesting because I do know that heel spurs are quite common in asymptomatic population. It could just be an incidental finding and um, whether it's usually it just appears on its own, usually it's just there. But um, one of the things that people get told is, oh, you have a heel spur which is this bony growth that makes you more susceptible to plantar fasciitis because of this, this heel spur, this bony growth that's underneath the foot. Um, but you know, when you relay your story and talking about, you know, your ramp up from five Ks to 10 miles in the space of a couple of months, that's obviously some sort of mechanical overload that the fascia hasn't really agreed with and has been a, a cause of symptoms. And so interesting that you sort of point that out and then have the, the fear associated with it as well. And you, you sort of walk away with a bit of a puzzled um, mindset about, okay, I'm not too sure how to address this, but I know it's bad. I know, you know, the bony growth and the X-ray um, images themselves and the findings are quite threatening and quite severe and seems to be a little bit more unhelpful than helpful. Would you, would you imagine? Oh, yeah, completely. I mean, I walked away from both the conversations I had about the heel spur thinking like, okay, this is never going to go away. I'm never going to be pain free. I just need to find a way to deal with it or manage it. And, you know, I know that to not be true now, but that's, that's exactly how I felt walking away from those, those conversations. Yeah, quite unfortunate. And I think in for the listeners, if they're finding themselves the <clears throat> I guess in the same similar scenario, I think it's just asking questions as much questions as possible and trying to get, if you, if the information that you get back, you're not really happy with, or you're still a bit puzzled and still a bit confused, like continue asking those questions until you sort of reached a satisfying answer and maybe might not be in that session, but going away and sort of coming up with enough questions that might be, you know, maybe settling, maybe a little bit more um, reassuring uh, or seeking a second opinion with those particular questions in mind until you get the right answers uh, yeah. would be a particular lesson. I, I was also curious as well from the moment of the podiatrist, you mentioned um, going to the first PT after that, you mentioned getting x-rays because um, of your foot, then going to the second PT um, on a, like a time scale, how long are we talking in between these particular sessions? Um, probably in the summer of 2017 is when I went to see the first podiatrist or the podiatrist. And then, um, probably through 2018 or 2019, that's when I was seeing the, the second physical therapist of the three that I ended up seeing. Okay. So all in all, like, I guess from the onset of symptoms initially, we're looking about two to three years. Yeah. Yeah. Probably closer to the three year mark. That's, that's how long until I was able to kind of get a good rehab program together. Okay. And so you mentioned the initial physio, um, doing those sort of intrinsic foot strengthening, like the towel, the marbles, um, the TheraBand, all that sort of stuff. Um, did you initially find that 
effective. Like uh, we know now from your story that long-term it wasn't that effective, but initially were you seeing improvements? I did. I saw some improvements, but I still haven't been able to pinpoint if it was the time off running or it was the exercises. So Mm. I think at some point I did return to running and it was a little better, but my goal was for it to be a lot better. So there, there were some improvements, but not great improvements. And now knowing what I know, I think that prior to that, I hadn't seen any success because I wasn't really doing any strength training and, or anything really to strengthen anything in my foot and everything I was doing was just to combat the symptoms that I had. Yeah. Hence all the repeated rounds of dry needling and those sorts Mm -hmm. of things. And another lesson, like if you said, you mentioned like North of what was it? 10 or 15 dry needling sessions. Yeah. And I think if in my eyes, like with dry needling, it's usually used as a short to medium term effectiveness. So we're talking like a period of a couple of days um, to like settle down symptoms and concurrently, um, when symptoms are managed and settled, that's a good opportunity for you to start doing the heavy strength stuff or raising, mm-hmm. trying to, uh, implement something to raise the capacity of that plantar fascia, similar to most injuries as well. But if you're going through say five plus sessions and you're not seeing any benefit, what's the odds of the next five being effective is usually quite low. And yeah even in like a session to session basis, because people respond quite differently to dry needling. And if you're not really seeing benefits in a couple of sessions, it's probably not worth continuing. I think the management itself needs to change rather than just go through the repeated cycle of just another session, another session, another session. And I think for me, I just, I did so many sessions because I really wanted it to work. And like at that point, I kind of felt like this is the last thing I can try. I've tried everything else. So Um, And the way it was explained to me, I don't know if this is true or not, but it made a lot of sense. And the way he um, stated it was that the the purpose of it was to re, um, what's the word, like reintroduce healing into that area because I had had it for so long that my body was no longer responsive to my prior treatments. So that's why I kind of needed to activate the area to get blood flow there to create micro micro trauma so that the body would go and heal it and in my mind that made a lot of sense and I was thinking okay so if I have this injury for so long and now my body's not paying attention it's not sending blood flow there it's not healing it like what else could I possibly do than create trauma in the area to get it to heal it so I think I was just really hoping it would work because I wanted it to work and I there was logic in the way he explained it to me yeah well well, we know from this story that there was an eventual turning point that did start seeing long-term success and meaningful change. Um, when did that come about? And what exactly happened there? Um, so I switched at a point from that physio to another one. Um, and honestly, I just had an ad come up online for a, a free session with somebody in this area and he had really good reviews. Um, so I decided like, what the hell, like I'll give it a try. Let's, let's see, maybe he'll say something different. Um, so I went to him and I said, listen, like, I really want to do a half marathon, but I have this nagging plantar fasciitis and this intermittent knee pain, you know, what, what do you recommend? And he gave me uh, a few exercises, but the main two exercises he gave me for my plantar fasciitis were uh, calf raises. Um, so I did calf raises with a bent knee 
and calf raises with a straight knee. And on that one in particular, I um, rolled a towel and put it under my toes so that they were elevated even further on the step. Um, because the way he explained it was that helps load the fascia in like a stretch position, which uh, he stated the, the fascia likes and will respond well to that. And I started with a relatively low weight, um, maybe like five or 10 pounds in one arm or in one hand. Uh, but what was different from this than before is he really stressed the importance to progress the weight. So I went from years ago doing body weight to now I still have these in my routine and I'll, I have a 50 or 60 pound kettlebell in my hand while I'm doing them. So they're very heavy. Um, or if I use the machine, I'll, I'll, I'll have it at probably 80 pounds and I'm, I'm doing those single leg. Um, so after I did that for maybe, I w I'll say conservatively two months, I got to a point where like I realized that I wasn't noticing the pain anymore. And like, I'll never forget, I went out and I did a five mile run and I came home and I was logging into my little journal because I'm old school and I like write down all my runs and my metrics. And I was like, you know what? I can't believe it, but I didn't have any pain and I don't have any pain now. And so very slowly over time, it started to improve where it almost backtracked where before, you know, it would come on at the half mile mark. And then slowly over time, it didn't come on to the three mile mark until eventually like I, I didn't have any issues with it anymore. Yeah, it's almost like in its slow onset when you first develop symptoms, it almost takes that patience and um, slow improvement in order to see those improvements, but, you know, always heading in the right direction. And like I say, that run by run, actually documenting symptoms, like it's good that you can write those things down because it can be so subtle that people might not pick up on the improvements. Like they might start developing symptoms um, within 30 minutes um, and then they do these exercises and then all of a sudden um, symptoms come on in 35 minutes or 40 minutes mm -hmm. and like it slowly starts to improve but if you don't pay attention to it if you don't document it and actually see that progression you could probably get really frustrated in a few weeks and be like oh it's not working let me try something yeah. else and I think that's a really really important thing especially for plantar fasciitis what I have tended to see um, I know you said like early on those um, first steps in the morning weren't particularly provocative, but noticing the severity of symptoms when you first wake up, like what it's like out of 10, but also how long it persists for throughout the morning. So a lot of people say like if they wake up and their pain's like a five out of 10 and it lasts for 10 minutes, if you do a particular treatment and you start seeing improvements, it might still be a five out of 10 when you first wake up, you might hit, plant your feet on the ground and walk around. You're like, yep, it's a five out of 10. But instead of it persisting for 10 minutes, maybe only now it's persisting for two minutes and the the severity of the pain is still the same, but the duration that it lasts throughout the morning is significantly improved. And then that can settle over time until it's, you know, the first 10 steps and then it fades away. And then the the pain would sort of calm down after that. So those particular two metrics can be quite helpful. Um, did you experience anything like that outside of the running? Did you start noticing improvements or like a carryover of capacity um, throughout your walking and throughout your uh, morning symptoms? Well, what I started to do was walk around barefoot. Um, so I was transitioning out of the orthotic sandals that I wore all the time into walking a little more barefoot. And at first, like, I think I was just scared. Because I knew that 
walking barefoot cause pain. So I would start by, okay, for the first half hour of the day when I get out of bed, like I'm not going to put my shoes on and then I'm going to put them back on. And then, you know, a week later it's like, okay, I'm going to walk around for an hour and then same. A week later, okay, I'm, now I'm going to do it after work. And I did start to see a slow progression there. And I still do wear sandals just because I, I don't like walking around barefoot, honestly. But I don't have that same fear or worry about it anymore. And I can, if I wanted to, I know I could walk around barefoot all day and it wouldn't, it wouldn't hurt. Or maybe mm-hmm. it would hurt a little bit, but it wouldn't, it'd probably just be from walking around, not necessarily related to the plantar fascia. Yeah. Uh, so you um, mentioned the calf raises. You mentioned the bent knee calf raises and the straight leg calf raises, uh, all single leg, and then having a towel prompted underneath just the, the toes. So the toes are pointed up towards the ceiling. Were there any other exercises that were implemented, anything else in your rehab that might have contributed to this success? Um, there was one other exercise. I don't s- still keep it in my daily route or weekly routine, but um, I would have a um, like a band on attached to my foot, attached on a cable, and I would move it in certain uh, directions just to um, target the glute. And I think that he um, he included that because in my full assessment, he noticed that there was a weakness there. I don't know if that necessarily translated to improvements with my foot, but um, it overall it was part of the routine. But the two main exercises were those different calf raises. And looking yeah. back on it now, I like I can't believe if I if I'd have known what I knew then, I just needed to add more weight and have the right calf raises that I could see success. Like I wouldn't have had to try all the stuff that I tried to get yeah. it to work. Yeah, but, I think the the story itself and the those lessons can carry over to a lot of other running related injuries because a lot of the listeners here um, might have plantar fasciitis, might have had it in the past, but other running related injuries too. And for the most part, those same lessons just carry over into other injuries as well. It's, you know, starting to deal with load management. Like initially, like you said, you sort of ignored the symptoms and continued to run where in fact, those particular running loads would have been a little bit too much for that current capacity for that current state of the fascia. And then when you tried all these other things, the boots, the splints, the socks, the ice, the sandals, like all of those things um they they may have made things a little bit better in the moment but because the load because those running loads were exactly the same as previous it just continued to you know continue to irritate things and then it's not until you know several years down the track that you finally had the the plan in place to raise the capacity of the fascia to build up more towards tolerating running loads and that particular exercise with the the toes extended, that's one that I I like to use for plantar fasciitis. So that final therapist that you went to is right on the money there. Um, the Just raising the capacity is like the final sort of point of, you know, that typical load capacity, load management, strengthening those particular universal principles that uh, we learn about with all running-related injuries. And I think also one thing that helped – um, was he did a good job setting expectations of what I could expect and what progress would look like. And that's not something that anyone else had kind of shared with me. They just said, yeah, do these exercises and it's going to get better. And instead he said, okay, so you've had this for a long time. Like, I don't want you to leave here and do these exercises for two weeks and feel frustrated that it's not better. You know, if it's built up 
to this, like it's going to take time to rehab it. So he set that expectation. And then he also um, talked to me about like monitoring my symptoms during the run. And he said, let's not try to go from running with pain to running pain-free. He said, let's try to go from, okay, if it's hurting at the half mile mark, let's see if we can get it to the point where it's not hurting to the one mile mark. And that really helped me in mentally know what to expect and have a better way to track my progress than, you know, it's just not getting better. I like this person. I like the advice they're delivering. He's it's really great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I guess currently what, what, um, have you returned back to? What's your car- current capacity? What's your running mileage and what are your current symptoms? Um, well, I, after I did my rehab and I was running pain-free, I did, um, a, another half marathon, two half marathons and one of them was a PR. So I, not worried about my speed anymore. I worked my way up to a marathon. Um, and then, uh, so right now I'm running about 20 to 25 miles a week because I'm transitioning to train for a half Ironman. So I'm, I'm incorporating more biking and swimming. Um, and I have an, an unrelated other injury. I have a PHT. So that's kind of impacted where I'm running now. But as far as my plantar fasciitis, I don't have any pain. And on very rare occasion, I will feel it a little bit after a run. And typically it's after like the long run of the week. I've trained something in my, changed something in my training load, but I don't worry about it like I used to. Like it doesn't stress me out. I don't have thoughts of like, oh, is it coming back? You know, oh my gosh, I need to get this under control. I like, I know what it means. And I know that means I need to look at my load or I need to look at my strength training. And like, I'm confident that it's, it's not, it's something that I can manage and will yeah. go away relatively quickly. Yeah. Well, congratulations on what you've managed to get back to and the sites, you know, the endeavors that you want to do in the future. It seems like you got some big goals there. So well done for, you know, building upon that and seeing the other side of this injury and to the point where you're getting half marathon PBs and you're shooting for longer durations and longer exercises. Well done for that. Thanks. I always like to finish off with some particular, whether we've discussed it already or not, any initial mistakes you might've made at the start that you've sort of in hindsight learned, looked back on and thought, okay, that was a a big hindrance. Um, Is there any major initial mistakes that you thought you made at at the beginning? Well, since listening to your podcast, I realized that everything I did in the beginning of my running journey was wrong. So there are definitely a couple of takeaways that I could um, give. So the first one was load management. So I first started, I went out and ran whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted, however fast, it just, however I felt for the day, instead of really looking at, okay, what's my goal? How many miles a week do I want to do? How am I going to get there? So just being intentional about running and training load, um, rather than kind of just doing it off the cuff. Um, and then, then, uh, just ignoring it because at first it was really minor. And now I know anytime I get like a little something, a niggle here or there, like I'll e- I'll email my physio and say, Hey, I've got this pain. It just started. Like, what do you recommend? What kind of things should I try instead of waiting six months down the road where you just can't deal with it anymore. Um, and then I, I guess another mistake I made was just, um, trying everything except for strength training because now I know that that's really the the key to get out of the injury hole and it was the last thing that I tried yeah and going back to when you're saying 
emailing your physio about any sort of symptoms that might arise, it's, it's when, when you catch it early enough, if you start noticing symptoms early enough, it only just needs to be this minor adjustment in your training. Because I think one of the reasons why people do ignore their injuries is because they don't want to uh, reduce their overall volume because they don't want to lose fitness and they spend so mm-hmm. much time, effort, commitment, money into building up their fitness. And they're just really fearful of having to accept the fact that they're injured and have to take time off and lose fitness along with all that stuff and the, the race goals that they have. When in fact, if you are more on the proactive side and you um, appreciate those symptoms and can find a particular pattern or a particular intensity of training or a, a change in your training that might have caused that all it needs to be is just this really minor adjustment and then you haven't lost fitness you don't really need extensive treatment or any treatment at all it just might need to be okay let me just have a couple of weeks off intense sessions and then getting back into that initial uh, that intense session that caused the symptoms in the first place let me just make sure it's a bit more of an adjustment a little bit more of a gradual introduction and that might need to be all that all there is so well done. Um, I think there's some great initial takeaways there. I think the load management side of things, you know, lays into the um, foundation of this podcast perfectly and uh, just the, the strengthening side of things as well. It's all about finding what your current capacity is, raising up the capacity of the, those tissues until they're able to tolerate more levels of running or whatever meaningful task you have and then just continue to build it up. Like you say, it's still in your management plan. You're still doing those just to make sure that those strengths are maintained or even surpassed the capacities that you want to put upon it. So yeah, I want to um, commend you for taking those actions and eventually getting to the right solution and seeing the back end of it. And I think this particular story in itself is going to help a lot of people, not just with plantar fascia, but a lot of injuries because like I say, the, the lessons there can carry over into so many different running-related injuries. So thanks, Jen. Thanks for coming on sharing your story. Thank you. And that concludes another Run Smarter lesson. I hope you walk away from this episode feeling empowered and proud to be a Run Smarter scholar. Because when I think of runners like you who are listening, I think of runners who recognize the power of knowledge, who don't just learn but implement these lessons who are done with repeating the same injury cycle over and over again, who want to take an educated, active role in their rehab, who are looking for evidence-based, long-term solutions and will not accept problematic quick fixes. And last but not least, who serve a cause bigger than themselves and pass on the right information to other runners who need it. I look forward to bringing you another episode and helping you on your Run Smarter path.